Welcome to Life After Childbirth. My name is Weslina Maxi, and I'm an occupational therapist on an extraordinary path to change women's health and the care we receive postpartum. Join me as we grow together on this journey. Let's talk Life After Childbirth. just wanted to provide a little disclaimer that this podcast does not provide medical advice. All the information in this podcast is informational purposes only. So to start off this podcast, I want to talk about family vacations. We just went on our first vacation, just me, Colby, and the kids. And let me tell you, it was exhausting. We didn't realize how exhausting it was going to be. I kept saying that it was going to be exhausting, but it was going to be fun. But I didn't really realize it. It was our first vacation, just us with no grandparent with us or friends. It was a bit of shell shock of how busy we were and how much we had to entertain the kids. And how much the kids didn't realize that they got overtired, overstimulated. They threw more tantrums than normal. It was just exhausting. I mean, we had a good time. But we were out of our normal routine, and when that happens, it's just the kids have bedtime, we wake up at a certain time, we get ready, we go to daycare and school, they have their routine there, so, you know, when you get out of your normal routine, you just kind of get out of whack, and kids don't realize that they're out of whack, it comes out in a tantrum. So that was fun. Overall, we did have a good time, and I'm glad we went. The kids' first time to see the beach. So that was fun, and we got to do um, some crab searching, which that was my first time, which was really cool. Without further ado, let's talk about the discussion I want to talk about today. Talk about feeding your baby. So what does that look like? So I don't think a lot of people realize this, but um, exclusively pumping is breastfeeding. Nursing is breastfeeding. They're both breastfeeding. It just looks a little different. So with my kids, I exclusively pumped, which meant that I was hooked up to a pump a lot. So it's recommended that you pump every two to three hours the whole first 12 weeks. So that means the first three months you are on a pump every two to three hours. With nursing, I mean, that's about the same. I didn't nurse personally, so I can't specifically say that, but it's about the same, if not more, because you're going by your baby crying or whatever the baby needs. You're nursing on demand, really. To kind of backtrack, I think it's funny when people just automatically ask you, even before the baby's born, are you going to breastfeed? Oh, what's your plan? Or when you already have the baby, they're like, oh, how's breastfeeding going? They just assume that you're breastfeeding. It's not always the case. And when you say, no, I'm not breastfeeding, you get this disgusted face look at you. And you're like, well, what's it to you? What does it matter to you if I'm breastfeeding or not? I think the question that we should start asking people is, I mean, really, you shouldn't ask anything because it's none of your business. However, if we are going to ask a question, we could ask, are you feeding your child? And then if you say no, you should probably get a disgusting face look at you. If you say yes, then you're doing great. You're feeding your child, which is what you should be doing. You're being a good mom because a fed baby is the best, right? I mean, really, everybody's going to have an opinion Everybody's going to think that their way was better, their aunt's way was better, their cousin up in Idaho's way was better, and they're going to have their two cents to give you, and you can either ignore it or tell them to shut up. Like I said, it really doesn't matter because the only people that matter are the people that it's happening to, the people that are having to do it and give up their time and decide whether 
that's for their family or not. And sometimes, you know, breastfeeding isn't even an option. Some people have to have surgery right away after they have a baby. Some people have traumatic births and they can't even fathom a baby touching them, let alone sucking on their nipple. And then there's people that have thought about it the whole time they've been pregnant and they've planned for it and they've researched and they have all of the tools, but they either have something happen and they can't or they try and they try and their milk is just not there. It's just not happening and you can't just not feed your child. So you start feeding them formula because they have to have some kind of food. Some women keep going and keep trying and they supplement with both. They do a little mixture, which is just fine. It's whatever works for you and your family. Multiple things can factor in to whether a woman breastfeeds or not. And you know, breastfeeding, some people don't even want to do it. And that is just fine. And that is okay because it is your body. And that mother is going to do whatever she feels like she is capable of doing mentally and physically. And if that's not breastfeeding, that is just fine. It's only liquid gold if it doesn't compromise the mother's health. And that includes her mental health. If she is so overwhelmed and so tired and depressed because of breast milk, do you think that's even fair for the mom to feel like that? Do you think she should feel like that? Just because there's this stigma over if you don't breastfeed your child that you're terrible so she should dig herself a deeper hole for society I don't know how people will say you know go ahead go breastfeed because it is free it's not free it's very time consuming a lot of dedication and a mother's time obviously isn't her own once she has a child it never is and you'd only get so much time alone after you have a child. So for people to have an opinion about that has nothing to do with them unless they're they're that mother. So that's the only person's opinion that matters. People have an opinion about, okay, if you're tired, go rest. Sleep is important. Make sure you're sleeping. Make sure you're breastfeeding 24-7. Make sure the house is clean. Make sure you're eating enough. Okay. Okay. I'll get right on that. There's just too much that people think that mothers can do without doubling over and screaming, honestly. There's too much pressure in general about parenthood. Too much expectations that people put on parents, mothers in particular. I think society automatically assumes that women know everything. Now, don't get me wrong, we know a whole hell of a lot, but that doesn't mean that we know everything about breastfeeding, everything about formula, everything about positioning and how to take care of our body, how to get milk going in our body and keep it up. How the hell am I supposed to know that I'm supposed to rub my breast when I start getting a clogged duct? How the hell am I supposed to know you're supposed to eat a certain amount of calories when you're breastfeeding to account for that milk that you need to make? How the hell am I supposed to know there's a certain flange size for my nipple? And if you have a too big one, a too small one, then you won't get the milk that you actually have in there out. Without having the education given to us or talked to about, which We've all decided that motherhood isn't talked about enough. Life after childbirth is not talked about enough. We do not get the education. We are not just equipped with it in our brain when we are born. Again, we have a motherly instinct, some of us. That does not mean we 
like automatically know what to do and how to breastfeed or how to formulate feed for that matter or anything like why is there a taboo topic of talking about these things why don't we talk about it with each other why don't we talk about our struggles why don't we talk about what worked what didn't if I didn't have the Facebook group that I did when I was exclusively pumping with both my kids I wouldn't have been able to do what I did which was EP which is exclusively pumping I EP'd with Tedwin for over a year and I did the same with Olivia Without that education from Tedwin, Olivia's went a lot smoother, obviously, but without that group, when I was going through that with Tedwin, I don't know what I would have done. And I asked questions, I even searched inside the group. So do that, ask questions, talk about it, look in Facebook groups, join Facebook groups, whatever you have to do. I will add not everything in a Facebook group is right and some of the advice you get on there is nerve-wracking but some is helpful. We shouldn't be ashamed because we don't know. We shouldn't always have to fly by the seat of our pants because there's such a stigma from mothers asking questions or mothers not knowing what to do. Oh you don't know what to do with your kid? Who the hell are you? Fucking human is who I am. I don't know everything and that's okay. Because we learn as we go. We learn something new every day. And if you aren't learning something new every day, you're not asking enough questions. Another thing to consider while you're feeding your child is the position that you're in. Are you slouching down? Do you have your neck down looking at your baby? Because that's what we tend to do when we're feeding our baby is that we look down at them, we smile at them, which is just fine. But looking down the entire time can put tension on your neck and your back, which overflows into your low back, into your pelvic floor, your hips. Everything is connected, so pay attention to your positioning. If you've been looking down for a while, kind of move around, go side to side, ear to ear, look over your shoulder. Another common thing when we are feeding our child is that we are holding their bottom, right? And our wrist tends to be in flexion, which is towards our body, and we keep it there. And anytime you're putting your body into a repetitive position, it can start to hurt, whether it's at that moment, a couple hours later, or even a week later, we kind of notice, oh, my wrist is hurting. What did I do? And then if you truly think about it, probably that repetitive motion you're putting it in, that repetitive position you're putting it in. Another thing that we do is pat, right? Every baby likes to be patted. I know my kids did. So we bring our wrist in extension and inflection back and forth and you're moving your wrist, only your wrist, and that's what puts in that repetitive movement that you're doing. That's what puts that pain there in your wrist. You're moving it back and forth. So next time that you go to do that, try to pay attention to what you're doing and move your whole arm instead. Bring your forearm with you instead of just doing that back and forth motion of your wrist. And then when you're holding your baby, kind of move around. Think about your go-to position that you feed your child in. Try the other arm. I know I liked holding um, Olivia and Tedwin in my left arm and feeding with my right. Try switching it around to avoid putting yourself in those repetitive positions. When you go back to work as a mom and you're breastfeeding. You have to find a way to pump every two to three hours because you're supposed to do that within the first three months. In the U.S., we go back to work at six weeks. Isn't it the greatest? So you get a 30-minute break at work, right? And they're like, okay, there you go. You can pump for that 30 minutes wherever they give you the space. Think about this. You heat up your food. You go sit down. You hook up your pump. Make sure your nipple's in the right place. And you try to relax and you're eating your food while you're pumping. 
and then you take off your pump you put your milk in a bag you put that in the fridge you clean your pumps you get all dressed again unbutton or pull off your shirt or whatever 45 minutes is up and you didn't even realize it because you're still chewing your last bite it's not like you were dicking around in there and your boss pulls you up into his office or her office more than likely a man but and they say well why'd you take 45 minutes on your break instead of the 30 how am I supposed to do all that in 30 minutes I mean we make it happen most of the time but damn to think of all those steps that I just said, most of the time I wasn't done in 30 minutes, and if I was, I was cramming that food in my mouth to be able to have the nutrition to make that milk that I was trying to make and to get the milk in the fridge so it doesn't, you know, go old and make sure my pump parts were all together and I didn't lose anything, right? That's a lot to do in 30 minutes. I would love to do a, you know what, that should be a baby shower game. Boom, that come to a baby shower. They should have to take off their shirt, hook up to a pump, put all the milk up and stuff after they unhook, and do all that in less than 30 minutes while eating two pieces of cake. And I think people would realize how long it takes to do all that because you have to pump for 15-20 minutes to get a good session in. And I think that's another thing that people don't realize. You have to pump or nurse for 15-20 minutes to get a good session. That's how long it takes to get the milk out that you need for that feeding. I mean, does it only take you two minutes to eat your food? I didn't think so. It's not going to take your baby only two minutes to eat either. I think your support system plays a lot into whether you breastfeed or not because if you don't have that support, it's a lot harder because you don't have that encouragement or that help. Also your routine, what that looks like for you, I think a lot of that plays into it. For me, I exclusively pumped, like I said, and for us, it worked very well because Colby was able to help and I felt like it was more 50-50 if I would have nursed anyway. He was able to bag milk. He was able to write the date on the milk and freeze it, flatten it and freeze it. He was able to feed and change the kids if I wanted to sleep a little longer before I had to do my pump session. There was times that I would be pumping and feeding the kid with the bottle and changing them all that and let him sleep. So it was honestly really 50-50 within that newborn stage. Usually we would take turns on who got up. Yes, I was the only one actual having to pump, but other than that, he helped how he could by bagging my milk and dating it and freezing it. And that's a big feat in itself. I do remember this one time that Colby, that I had asked Colby, I would ask him if he would pump for me because I was being lazy and I didn't want to. Not being lazy, I was just tired, you know? And he grabbed the pump and he put it up to his nipples and I turned it on and we were just kidding. Obviously nothing came out. I was like, dang, why do you have to have those useless nipples? Why can't you just pump for me? And anyway, we had a good laugh. I did get a picture for reference if anybody was wondering. So I want to go back to that part where I was talking about if you have a 30-minute break at work about the space. Now, I have heard of women only having like a closet to pump in or they had to go to the bathroom to pump. If this is you, please look up your rules of your state. Please look up the rules of your company and fight this. You deserve a space to feed your child. You deserve a space to pump. You should not be on the toilet. You should not be crammed up in a closet. You should have a space. And if you don't, you know what? Pump out in front of everybody because you're feeding your child and that's what matters. When I was in school and pumping with Tedwin, I 
I was in a semi-closet and I wasn't as comfortable as I was when I was pumping with Olivia. If it would have been a little different, I would have went out there, but I didn't. Also, I was hooked up to a wall. By the way, if you decide to exclusively pump, get a rechargeable pump. Do not get one that just plugs up to a wall because that is miserable and I did that for the whole year with Ted Wynn. Being hooked up to a wall while you're pumping is rough because you're pumping all the time. So you're hooked up to a wall all the time. So if I would have been more comfortable, I would have went out and actually enjoyed my lunch with my classmates. So that's that. But if you're at a workplace and they do not give you a proper place, tell me about it. I will sign a petition to get you a better place. I will fight with you. So you've breastfed, you've decided to breastfeed, and you've been breastfeeding. The big question now is how do you stop? When do you stop? What happens when you stop? Does anybody know? Well, I do. (laughs) Weaning hormones is a big monster. If you have weaned from breastfeeding, you know what I'm talking about. It's just a whole mountain of hormones, honestly. You get mad, you get sad, you get irritable, you get frustrated. You really don't know what's happening because no one talks about this. You feel like you're going crazy. You accept it one day and you're like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to stop breastfeeding, which is just fine. And then the next day you're sad again and then you cry uncontrollably. It just comes in waves and then you think, oh, am I doing this right? Should I be doing this? Is something wrong with me? I gradually stopped breastfeeding, so I would do less and less. And that's what they suggest anyway, so you don't get clogged ducts in your breasts. That way your breasts get the memo that you are stopping. So the hormones kind of gradually came, but I remember them hitting me one day and I just was crying and I was like what is wrong I was like well maybe I need to pump because sometimes when you need to pump or need to nurse you get this overwhelming of hormones and you're like oh okay yeah my boobs are full and you need to pump or nurse but it was more than that it was different I don't even know how to explain it it's just a big huge mountain of hormones it's funny because no one talks about that part Everybody talks about, yeah, breastfeeding is great. Breastfeeding is what you should do. But no one talks about what happens when you stop. We should get some kind of education so at least we are warned about it and we kind of know to expect those hormones. And that way we don't feel just absolutely crazy when we go through that. Again, life after childbirth is not talked about enough, right? So you are done breastfeeding. You have weaned fully. What happens now? What do you feed your child now? You have options, obviously, but you can do pureed or you can do baby led weaning. If you don't know what baby led weaning is, it's you let them feed themselves. They eat whatever you're eating. You kind of have to cut it or smush it a certain way depending on what food it is. Like with blueberries, you smush. With strawberries, you cut up a certain way. Toast, you kind of cut it up in finger length so they can grab onto it and bring it to their mouth. So with Ted, when we did pureed, and it was fine, he loved it. But I got a little bit more education, and with being an occupational therapist assistant, I learned more about people being more independent, and the more you let them do it themselves, the better. So with Olivia, we went a little different route, and we did baby led weeding, and it was great. I would 100% recommend it to anyone that asked. They also eat a lot better. They eat whatever you eat. They're not as picky, or so I've realized between the two. Tedwin was is a lot more picky than Olivia is, even still today. She just, she will eat whatever you put on her plate, almost. 
With this, I was in a Facebook group, learned what I could before she turned six months. That's another thing about when you start feeding your child, it's about six months and they have to be sitting up on their own for at least 30 seconds to be able to be safe eating purees or regular food. With the Facebook group, I was able to know what to do and know what to kind of teach Olivia in a way to use her gag reflex because they gag a lot because they will try to swallow more than they can actually handle. And in turn, I had to educate Colby and my mom about what baby letting weaning was and the difference between gagging and choking because gagging and choking are two different things. So choking obviously is they're in trouble, but gagging is they're just learning to bring the food back up. They're learning that reflex that comes with knowing that you put too much in your mouth. So they're learning that and teaching them to cough that back up, chew a little bit more, bring it back and swallow. So with that, I had to talk to them because it was a little bit of a shock to see that doing it totally different with Olivia. And that's okay if you do it totally different with your first kid, second kid, sixth kid, whatever. You are always growing. You're always learning. And it doesn't matter what you decide to do because, hey, you're the mom. You get to do whatever you want to do. I remember we were, we were sitting one day at dinner and I, it was me, my mom, Colby was doing laundry in the same room, Olivia and Tedwin. And I remember looking over at Tedwin and I realized he was choking. I got up, ran around the table, hit him twice in the back. Everybody looked at me like, what just happened? So everybody obviously was looking at Olivia. We made sure, you know, that she knew what she was doing and make sure she wasn't choking. You know, give her cues if she needed to gag her food back up. We were all paying attention to her, and Tedwin was the one that ended up choking. It was on a strawberry. I remember it very vividly, but I didn't freak out. I just hit him on the back, and it came back up, and he was fine. We didn't have strawberries in the house for a while after that, but they both love them now, so we have them all the time. But yeah, like, it was scary, but I knew what to do, so it was a little less scary. It's important to be aware of your surroundings when your kids are eating, and when you're eating, and to know what to do when that happens, and that goes again with educating yourself, asking questions, getting in Facebook groups, you know, take a CPR class if you feel more comfortable to do so. The more you know, the better, and it's okay to ask questions. As mothers, we're supposed to know everything, but it's just not the case, and it shouldn't be shown like that either. We don't know everything. We're going to be learning day to day, moment in moment. I learn something new every day with my kids, with myself, with my husband, with my relationships with other people. If you're not educating yourself, you're not growing. We can learn new things. We can ask questions. We can talk about things. The main takeaway from this is no matter what you feed your child, feed your child. If you're feeding your child, you're doing a great job. Good job, mama. As always, I want to thank you for supporting me through this extraordinary journey of fighting my passion in women's health, postpartum care, and pelvic floor therapy. I just want to let y'all know that I have recreated a website so you can go look what I'm going to be providing. I'm not ready to see clients yet, but when I am, I will let y'all know. So go check it out and let me know what you think. My goal is to reach as many women as I can to talk about life after childbirth. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please share on social media and let me know what you liked about it. If you haven't already, subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. And if you feel persuaded to do so, leave a review so we can reach others and begin to talk more about life after childbirth.